0: This episode is about FanFest. They're working with some of the biggest sports teams in the world, like PSG in Paris, Manchester City, the San Francisco 49ers, to create these live shows and interactive experiences for their super fans around the world. And these shows are often part of digital membership programs, token gate experiences that involve NFTs. It's a really good example of how NFTs can actually drive business value for these sports teams and create wonderful experiences for fans around the world. I hope you enjoyed the episode and please hit that subscribe button and give us a review if you like what you hear. Here's the episode. Welcome to the New Street X podcast. I'm excited to have here today Adam Jones from FanFest. He is the CEO, CTO of FanFest. So what does FanFest do? FanFest allows you to transform your super fans into superstars. They grow your community with interactive shows gated by digital memberships and tokens on your digital channels for the biggest names in entertainment. And there's some pretty big names that Adam has worked with. So, Adam, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to the show, and love for you to introduce yourself and talk about start talking about FanFest.
1: Hey, man, uh, thanks for the invite, man. So yeah, like you like you mentioned, um, co-founder, CEO, CTO, FanFest. Um, always like to start with the problem. So yeah. before all this, I was a boring strategy consultant. <laughs> Initially working, actually in the healthcare vertical because my degrees in neuroscience. Of all things, I was supposed Super to be, like, relevant brain surgeon exactly pivot pivot um but ended up working with a lot of media and entertainment companies um and just saw this paradox where you know the more and more fans the larger their audience grew kind of around the world they actually the, the less and less um revenue they were generating on a per fan basis because more and more of their audience was in a place that they didn't control um, and i'm thinking really traditional entertainment so think music tv film sports right um you know, 99% of the fans are just not in the arena, for instance. So with FanFest, as you um, succinctly put it, what we try to ultimately do is help them make money, right? And help them unlock new revenue streams to their fans by, in, it's kind of funny, but in many ways, just getting the hell out of the way. So we're a product that kind of sits between kind of your favorite sports team and, you know, international fans, but fans. But our job is actually to kind of almost be invisible, right? Make that kind of, interaction happen bring fans closer to their favorite sports team and their favorite brand um give those sports teams and brands more control than ever over the fan experience no matter where they are but actually almost try to be invisible <laughs> in some ways so that uh you know both parties just feel you know fans are happy brands will control um and everyone and they make money so they're happy.
0: okay so let's say i'm a fan of and i like the international problem because because as, as you know, like I'm pretty interested in this topic myself. And if I think about, let's say a big, uh, brand, let's say a, a very global one, like Manchester United, for example, you know, there are hundreds of millions, if not maybe billions, I don't know the exact number of fans around the world, but the city of Manchester itself is not that big. I doubt that they like the stadium could probably sit a, a couple of ten, tens of thousands of people in a given year. There's only so many people that can actually be there but the most diehard fans might be living in California or in Brazil or Canada or Kenya or Russia or whatever. And they might not have the means or even the ability, if they had the means to go to Manchester to watch that game. So, but they, but they're diehard fans. And from a purely business perspective, I'm sure they'd be willing to spend lots of money to express their love for Man U, whether it's like buying jerseys. I don't know. Um, in-game items maybe, thinking about in the future here, uh, merch in general. And I guess the way they, they they sort of exhibit their love right now is probably through social media or just online communities, right? So if I'm a diehard fan of Manchester United like a let's say the LA Manchester United fan club. I'm sure they go they hang out in forums online. Maybe they go on the Twitter account, right? They go on Instagram saying like, ah, oh, like I love what happened in this last game. And maybe they're chatting about who's who's doing well, who's not doing well and that might happen like facilitated by the official channels, me like Manchester United's like own I don't know, Facebook groups or YouTube whatever, but also some unofficial stuff like the LA Man United fan club probably has their own sort of uh communities and stuff. So that's that's where I see like the landscape of these international fans and the the brand itself, the team. So like where does Fanfest come in exactly? Like and and like let's let's take take it through like let's say the journey of like my name's Tony, I live in L.A., I love Manchester United, but there's no way I'm actually going to get to Manchester. So, like, where does FanFest come in, even though it's not necessarily, like, you know, like prominently displayed, like, where does FanFest come into my fan experience?
1: Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's kind of walk through that a little bit, because I think you outlined the, uh, the problem perfectly. And for that L.A. fan, the, the thing that the thing that's, uh, I want to call out is that this, this challenge is not lost. On we keep running with Manu, so Manu, right? They know they've maxed out local monetization, oh. you know, opportunities in Manchester and even in England, right? They know. Let's take the U.S., let's take LA, one of their key markets to commercialize. So they've actually already built products, you know, membership programs. Uh, in the case of Man U, they actually have a um, they've partnered with Tezos, and so they actually have a Discord, and they've done some NFT drops. so and They've I actually heard- got something of a token gated community. So they've they've they 're using both legacy i e digital subscriptions and you know web three member uh, concepts of membership and loyalty to try to monetize these fans the problem is there often isn't enough utility associated with these things so they've got the levers right they've got i e the levers to make money they've got the subscription and fan membership programs they've got even um you know regional sponsors in the u s that's another kind of lever they've got you know merchandising targeted for u s but there often isn't enough utility to put these pieces together that then drives mass adoption from every Man U fan in, in LA, for instance. Right. And so like, that's where FanFest comes in, right. By attaching the ability for not just Man U to create, you know, an interactive pregame show or halftime show on match day on their website, just for American fans, for instance. Um, But actually to let the biggest fans in that market create their own, like almost nominate the biggest fans, the biggest influencers and biggest podcasters, almost crowdsource the fan engagement and almost delegate it back to the community. Like that is what, by attaching that to both the digital membership or token ownership, depending on the club, like it's these kind of experiences that then do add utility. Oh, wow. Now I can literally talk to my favorite club on match day, even though I'm I'm literally LA to UK is like six thousand miles away. Probably wrong on that. Um oh, I should have used the Bing uh, GPT or something. <laughs> 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 um, or 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 you know, like uh recently, you know, teams have been actually been using um fanfest to so to, uh, fans hosting one of these shows on match day, getting that on the Jumbotron in the arena, right? So it's like as a fan, I'm literally at Old Trafford. This is Man U Stadium, right? Like virtually present, talking with the in-stadium announcer, making predictions about the match. Like the the possibilities are endless in terms of the type of interactive experiences. But the point is with FanFest is now utility attached to these memberships that they've already had. There's utility attached to these either fan tokens or NFTs or whatever kind of membership that the team has. That actual meat on the bones to the value proposition um, and thus driving conversion, thus driving revenue for the
0: team. Um, and that's helping us skip it. Got it. Got it. So, so let me like walk through that LA example. again. let's say I am like the, the, the president of the LA fan club for Manchester United, maybe I've got like yep. a YouTube channel where I, I, I broadcast my views, et cetera. So when let's say there's like a big match, like, I mean, Man u's actually playing Arsenal tomorrow, like hypothetically, if I, anyone who's part of like the Man U digital membership club, uh, during game day, hypothetically, uh, you might put up, there might be like a live stream that FanFest powers where it's me, the, the LA president of the fan club. I go on this live stream. It's broadcasted simultaneous, simultaneously across different social media channels. That experience is token gated. Maybe perhaps like I'd have to buy an NFT to participate in that. Nope. Maybe it's gamified where I don't know, I'm talking about how much of a fan I am and then someone else from another part of L.A. joins the stream because he or she is also, uh, I guess, bought into the experience or owns like some sort of digital membership benefit or token. And then, yeah, did I get that right? So
1: that is that is that is 99 percent correct. Um, The team would go. They already know who their super fans are in, say, L.A. and actually across the United States. So this is an opportunity for them to turn those, like we like to say, turn those super fans into superstars. Right. So. Empower them, get them on. So, FanFest again would live inside the team's website. They would onboard those fans and allow them to literally host their own kind of talk shows on Match Day. Um, they would invite their so, yeah, uh, LA fan club president, host, top podcaster in the US, host, um, some kind of micro influencer, TikTok, host, right? Um, the team has complete control over who hosts the shows. Um, and to your point, it, it, it can also serve as a reward for. Kind of earned, kind of fan loyalty over time, Um, and then those fans themselves would invite other fans to join the shows in real time. So we raise our hand, kind of like Twitter Spaces. Um, Again, all of this is happening on the team's website. Um, All of us would be token gated, right? So or or membership gated, but increasingly it's token gated. So in the case of Manu, again because of the Tezos partnership, would be you have to own kind of Tezos power token access this. Then drives uh, if you want to influence the show, but the and participate in the show. But as you mentioned. To drive awareness fact that you know this membership program even exists teams often simulcast these shows that are happening on their website that are talking good for fans that want to influence the show onto their traditional web to social media channels so that all fans can see this subset of super fans um and maybe box become super fans themselves
0: this is really interesting to me too because i think you're connecting two groups that you'd think already have a big connection, but probably not until FanFest came along. Because if I was, let's say, head of Manchester United marketing or whatever, and then I'm, and I realized, like like you were saying, Manchester United, Manchester United might might be an example of like a higher end, obviously sophisticated club with a lot of money for sure compared to like many others. But the the head of marketing, for example, whoever that is, probably already knows that, okay, there is an LA fan club and perhaps they know that I'm the president of that club but the way that that relationship existed was probably fairly limited i guess but now you can create through fanfest a way for those two parties to come closer together where manu can actually say okay i see the value in putting giving tony a bigger platform to talk more about the la fans and then as as the president of the la fan club i feel like even closer to the club because now i'm like wow this is great so now i'm actually being broadcasted on manu's like official website and then to your and then another relationship that's unexpectedly being connected here, which you realize, is in let's say my I have a friend, or let's say someone I don't know, let's say someone who's the head of the Munich fan club of Manchester United sees what I'm doing on that broadcast and is like, hey, well, let's make friends with those LA folks, and then maybe I don't like I don't know what happens after that, but what what that is is the creation of more of a community, I guess.
1: Yep, yep, but actually the better example would be like the man you got in New York. Or got yeah, yeah. you yeah. like, oh, wow, there's even, you know, there's like a, a sh- one, there's like a, a, a content experience just for us. It's like quote unquote niche, right? But like American Man U fans, it's like, wow, that's really cool. Um, and then one advantage of FanFest, by the way, is you can, because of, because you're basically nominating the super fans in different geographies to kind of host these things, you can do this in parallel, right? So like that same realization could be happening with the biggest Man U fan in Rio. And then, like some guys in São Paulo see this, and it's all in Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, which would be distinct from like something parallel happening in Portugal, in like Portuguese Portuguese, oh. and, and you know, so like you can really kind of scale this up um, in, a, in, a, in a pretty easy way. But yeah, exactly right. There's this community dimension as well. Um, to, to your earlier point around the the teams already knowing that these fans exist. That's especially true, actually, in uh, European football slash soccer. Um, there are actually entire teams dedicated internally to understanding who these fans are and managing these relationships. Um, but before, to your point, before FanFest, they saw them really as, like, these important but kind of quaint fan clubs and not they're like, on-the-ground influencers, basically, in these, and we've always seen that as just, like, a, a misfortune. These, like, again, these super fans out of market you know, with a fan. We see them as, the, like, almost the pointy edge of the spear for your growth strategy in these other markets, alongside local sponsors, alongside other things. But, like, they're, they're an untapped uh, opportunity. And it's it's required a bit of a mindset shift in, um, as we talk to clubs, but, like, they, they
0: started to get it uh, by, like, kind of, to your point, platforming these fans uh, and, and giving them a voice. Would, would it be fair to say that there's an analogy here between let's take modern NFT PFP collections, right? So like, let's say Mm -hmm. anybody that owns a, let's just say board ape. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you own a board ape and you live in, whether it's LA, New York, or Indonesia, you're kind of like an on the ground brand ambassador for the board ape community, if you really care about it. And that makes sense to people in the NFT space, because they've seen a lot of that, but for men, you or any team, that concept is, I think are they coming around to that now? And is that analogy fair? Like, would it be fair to say that like board ape holders and? and-
1: I think it's it's super fair, and I, I started smiling because that is why we've we are in conversations with uh, some of the larger, more sports focused, but like PFP collections, DAOs, etc., um, that have done an interesting thing in the sports entertainment space because it's actually the same challenge. You have a literally decentralized audience,
0: <laughs> um, they've,
1: they've, they've bought into a fan community um, and to keep, yes, there are the diehards, but to keep that community either growing or keep them engaged, whatever the goal the is, um, you need to have some kind of utility that's decoupled from physical things, right? Um, physical meetups, the physical meetups are awesome. There's no replacement for meeting in person, but like everyone can't do that to your point. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we've started to see it's the exact same challenge. And so we've kind of started to branch from just traditional sports entertainment, you know, entities to also more new media and Web3 uh, sports communities yeah. as well for that exact reason.
0: Because I think you get like, like you were saying, uh, you could do this if you're, uh, you've got any fan base, right? Like, let's say you could do this for Beyonce fans or K-pop fans, probably even a better example, or fans of Game of Thrones, maybe whatever. Uh, I, I'd be curious Rihanna you know, fans. Rihanna, given the we'll there's, that
1: there's not a, uh, album coming soon, <laughs> they got to <Yeah>. do something.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. Right. That's something, it's like, long <laughs> periods of marketing, right? It's like, if you don't have a tour coming up, like you got to figure out other reasons to get people to, to keep paying attention now. Okay. I'm going to ask two questions in succession. And they're like big ones, but I just want to make sure. I always want to, I try to, I try to batch my questions. so I don't forget. Um, first one being, okay, let's walk through some examples of, teams or brands or whatever that you're working with that you're able to share and then two as we reflect on that uh are there any type of fan led organization that wouldn't be a good fit for this you know or like maybe contrasting like okay maybe Mm -hmm. soccer is where you're diving in deep but maybe football as well but maybe not baseball i don't know but anyway let's let's start off by saying what are some of these companies teams brands you're already working with right now and how does that work exactly
1: yeah so um Currently, we've gotten a lot of f- adoption from on the on the traditional sports side. Uh, a lot of adoption from global soccer, basically football, soccer. Um, what are, I don't know what your audience breakdown, European or versus U.S. So I'll just more so global. American, but we're we're <laughs> global. Cool. Um, so you know, Paris Saint Germain was one of our first customers. That's for those that don't know, that's where Messi plays. Um, we just won the World Cup um that's one of the reasons why we actually have offices in paris as well as uh stateside back in new york um and so kind of bounce between the both um and yeah we've been working with them the last couple of years like uh, you know the bottom line is now on any given match day um there are almost no team employees actually involved in kind of the fan fest execution they've oh. nominated the fans they've got super fans in four or five different Kind of territories speak four or five different languages: so English, Spanish, Arabic, uh, French, um, Portuguese. Um, even we've also been chosen Japanese fans. Um, and yeah, match pre pregame, halftime, postgame—they themselves are almost those those micro influencers that are uh, creating content, interactive content about the match that's about to happen. In some cases, the team again teleports those fans in fan fest on their website to uh, the jumbotron in in the arena um and it has been working really well we've we've driven i think two three million dollars worth of uh <clears throat> media value so far for psg um over the past couple seasons um because again it's not just happening on the website it's simulcast so it's a legitimate sponsorship asset um we've reached geez i think over 15 million fan engagements across yeah. both their uh, website and then um social media um, Yeah. And, yeah, it's just a very clear demonstration of, like, as a fan, why should I get involved in kind of my local fan community? If should I become an official fan? Why should I adopt, in their case, more of a traditional kind of fan membership? Yeah. Here, look, you can, you can literally
0: teleport to Paris. In you know? yeah. a, a and, pretty clear case study. Yeah. And, this, and so when I think about the revenue it drives for PSG, for example, so with these experiences, like, do they sell – does this help, like, increase – the number of digital memberships that already exists, to, like, you know, does it help sell more of those? Are there new products that are sold through this? Are there other revenue streams as well?
1: Yeah, so main levers so far have been uh, memberships, as you described, as well as, um, they haven't capitalized on it yet, but building this inventory of just media value, right? So again, because it is content, um, and it's content like literally, you know, I would say hundreds of hours of watch content yeah. that's probably on yeah. accounting thousands of hours of watch content, um, on an annual basis. Um, there's legitimate sponsorship opportunity there, especially. Now in general. Oh. So there's a couple different levers there, both direct kind of fan modernization as well as indirectly via, via sponsorship. Okay. Um, and those have been the two There haven't been too much live shopping yet. That's something that, um, you know, one of our other customers Fan City has been pretty interested in, um, okay. is, um, so they've created halftime shows in the U.S. that were sponsored by Cisco, actually. So they oh, had really? On the media value piece. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they they, they drove revenue that way, um, as well as a little earlier in the journey in terms of kind of – and that's actually true for most of these men, by the way, but most of these teams. They, they know, like, compared to, the, compared to, like, their social media audience, fans, the number of fans in the membership programs, whether NFT gated, token, traditional, whatever, is, like, sub-1%. Right. So there's, like, a lot of upside here and a lot of work to do to kind of, um, you know, get adoption there a bit early in the journey. Um, but, yeah, so they there's both membership again and then also um, uh, sponsorship as well as um, they have, they have the, it's a smidge of, like, kind of live shopping uh, type experiences. Um, I'll give you just one more example. Um, we are working with um, NBA Top Shot and then on um, and, and the broader Dapper ecosystem as well as uh, we just announced this big uh, partnership with socios actually. So I'm kind of the native Web3 side. It's, it's funny, all these things are kind of converging. I used to call it like our traditional entertainment pipeline and like our Web3 yeah. pipeline. It's like, well, actually they're all the, <laughs> all the traditional guys have partnered with the Web3 guys. And so it's just like our, our, our kind of partnership universe. Uh, we're really excited to, uh, we've already kicked off um, the first kind of two they're integrated with the first two teams in the Socios ecosystem they have about 170 180 teams that they've they're already working with and so the vision is to power not just token gated um, matching experiences across their landscape of partners but also proof of attendance nfts um, and a broader set of loyalty uh, and rewards that are beyond chain um, for fans that are part of those communities
0: so again we just focus on utility so i got i got so many questions there like but the, the first one i want to go back to that live shopping example with like man city and cisco because i think like one of the main revenue streams that teams already have right now is like sponsorship and obviously broadcast rights but to me it, the, if i understand that correctly it's like if you're a u.s fan who's plugged into fan fest watching a man city game during the halftime, you can watch like a personalized video stream that maybe it's led by the head of the la man city uh fan club and that stream is brought to you by cisco and maybe you might be selling like 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 live commerce products that 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 allows you to like kind of personalize halftime shows per country wouldn't it and also like yeah, if it's exactly. yeah right and it's like interactive because obviously you can watch it on tv but it's different watching the game on tv there's no there's no personalized halftime show if you're watching it on like espn uh, but exactly. there is with FanFest, and then also i'm thinking the the number of potential partners you could bring into that halftime show is also massive because you know one of the things that we look at a lot is live commerce of course but particularly within the collectible space you know like a lot of a lot of big live shopping brands uh i mean there's a recent announcement by fanatics um you know the, the trading card merch, sports merchandise company sports, um to that they're launching fanatics live so you could see a world where, let's say, I'm a Man Man City fan watching this sponsored halftime show by Cisco, but there's also an opportunity for me to buy, like, let's say, Erling Holland um, cards or NFTs on that live stream. So, and, and like I said, this this can't really happen on traditional TV, can it? Exactly right.
1: You hit the nail on that. Around kind of the the one thing that gets us really excited is this vision of um yeah personalized why why aren't the our, why isn't our consumption of traditional entertainment like sports as personal as our consumption of kind of new media and new entertainment like social media you know even esports stuff on twitch stuff like that right so we see that's where everything's going that's what the consumer expects so how do you enable that it's definitely not going to be over a you know a dumb pipe so to speak uh plugged into your tv right so uh, 100%. We see things like that. Um, our, our thing around uh, just to get into the, the live shopping piece, we, it's, it's still early days in terms of you know what's happening on FanFest and kind of what city's doing, etc. But um, I have this almost con- maybe contrarian view that we don't have exp- expectations that like you know live shopping through FanFest is gonna like you know, unseat your traditional your sure. retail channels, right? But I do think you can leverage live shopping in a clever way um To actually drive overall engagement, right? It makes a cooler show. Like, imagine if, kind of after a game, you had a live shopping uh, focused show, post game show, where you could, like, buy the the jerseys and the game worn cleats of the jerseys that the players just wore. You're not going to make, like, $10 million during that show, but it's a cool show. <laughs> I mean, that's just a cool concept, right? You go, like, go to the locker room and be like, oh, this is what Island just is wore, you know? Like, and so that's where I see live shopping going broadly, especially outside of, obviously, and you know, it's been super successful in, in Asia, early days in Europe and the United States. I see it more as a engagement driver, almost, and in a way to create even more interactivity and even more engagement during kind of content that you're already kind of planning versus, and then, and then the revenue coming later, now that you have that engagement, now that you have that customer relationship, now you can you know, retargeting, et cetera, versus kind of a lot of sales real time. Um,
0: in right. Away. Sorry, I was a bit of a yeah. No, I think that's a fascinating point. Yeah. Um. I. I love to to learn more about so the socios and Dapper partnerships because again, um, like how how does that work then? Because like let's let's take because those yep. are two different different kind of platforms, right? Like Dapper Labs. Yep. Let's just take NBA Top right? It's kind of like video digital trading cards in the form of NFTs. I'm sure, everybody on this, on this listening knows that, but how does like Fan like come into that experience because socios, I, I forget how, like, is it, does it on an app or on a platform, but that's essentially where you buy fan tokens that can then give you uh, the, the, the ability to like vote on certain things with the teams. Right. Yep. So again,
1: zo- zooming out, right. As we're going back to the problem statement, right. It's, it's, you know, how do we add four, four fans rules for super fans that have bought into some kind of fan membership concept. Whether traditional or, you know, increasingly Web three token enabled, how do we deliver lasting utility on, on an ongoing basis? Right. So we've talked about how that kind of works in the in the kind of traditional sports world. It's a, it's literally the same challenge for NBA Top Shot or you know Associates. Um, in both cases, they've they've driven kind of tremendous success, tremendous revenue for the partners, um, with kind of an initial cohort of fans, (laughs) but there's a lot more, there's like orders of magnitude more fans that could onboard into those ecosystems. Right. And so the question becomes, well, how do you drive that adoption? It needs to be based on utility. It needs to be based on something that's very easy for fans to understand. And so uh, to give a couple examples in the case of maybe a top shot, you know, they've used FanFest again, inside their website, completely wallet gated. So you need to have an adaptable wallet to even access these experiences. Um, they've done athlete AMAs with their top collectors. So Damn. for the top members of like the Knicks community, they got to meet Nate Robinson, and for the top members of the Pistons, they got to meet uh, Rip Hamilton, and WNBA fans got to meet audrey Wilson, and um, and then they've also launched this program called uh, they just rebranded it, um, not community leads. I'm not sure. Basically, something very analogous to global uh, fan clubs where they've picked the one, two collectors per, per team, um, uh, so yeah, per team that are super engaged and almost turning them into micro-influencers, giving them a platform, creating their own landing pages on .com for they themselves to be evangelists, um, for NBA Top Shot. So both in real life events, as well as virtual town halls and virtual events and pack openings and that kind of thing. So, um, that's been one, that's been one thread the uh, on the socio side they get the same thing they've driven you know tens of millions but maybe even hundreds of millions of revenue for the team partners a bunch of fans have adopted but they really try to go mainstream and so by literally doing the kind of the fan fest bread and butter and rolling that out across the portfolio so allowing um you know the top influencers podcasts et etc to create to- again token gated shows you need a arsenal fan token to access the show um that, that's, that's literally the concept and making all this kind of live, either on social's website or the team's website, um, influencer led. And then in the case of, uh, socios, um, because they are often, you know, and as part of their partnership with teams. They also have sponsor like kind of rights and that kind of thing. Um, we can do some really cool stuff, like coach AMAs, right. So imagine being able to like go live and ask like the head coach of the team some questions or like the manager of the team some questions. Um, uh, as a kind of completely token game experience there being tiers and then you having again with that uh thinking through all kinds of you know post event like loyalty proof of attendance rewards from those proof of attendance with partners so again like Adidas is a big sponsor of of um, of Arsenal um so imagine you know you get like you attend a bunch of shows you rack up a lot of these proof of attendance and maybe you get to redeem something from Adidas right so like thinking kind of in that I'm just it all goes back to utility, right? How do you make this really fun and really engaging for just normal fans who may not even know they're using crypto? <laughs> That's kind of yeah. our gist. That's kind of
0: where we, we could in Well, I, I think about the potential upside of what you're doing here. It really works. And we're, we've, only started, we've only talked about sports so far. I mean, we could probably just talk yep. about completely different categories like across non-sports entertainment media. But if I think about all the different ways this could work, Theoretically, the sky's the limit, right? You can be doing this for Indian cricket teams. You can be doing this for, like, Brazilian local soccer teams. You can be doing this for, like, Russian domestic ice hockey leagues, etc. Because for the most part, all of these fans, like, uh, all these sports will have fans in other countries. Like, let's say, just the Indian diaspora in the U.S. who are fans of cricket. Or, like, the Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, etc. So, where do you focus your energy right now? And also, have you thought about... Because, I mean, it sounds like obviously soccer is step one. But have you also thought about what isn't a good fit? Uh, or is it more just a yes. matter of time? You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: I would say um, uh, we are – so a lot of in in soccer. We also work with the 49ers. Had a pretty successful season uh, this week. So yeah, told in the NFL as well. And then through, again, the top shots, through the socios, we are getting exposure to you know their network of partners, which is beyond uh, – Soccer as well, so NBA, NFL, et cetera, um, MLS. But um, in terms of uh, what is not a fit, uh, I think what we learned is basically any sport that is regularly played, and, and maybe more broadly, kind of any, any. any let me put the flip side, like where there is a regular cadence of engagement opportunities, that lends itself to fanfare so for instance like something big like the world cup is like the biggest one right they're like oh my gosh you guys should be partnering with like you know fifa or like you know some yeah. of these national teams right it's like but paradoxically it actually wasn't the best fit because and we did we did some stuff in some experiments from the world cup but it wasn't our bread and butter because it only happens every four years and so thus trying to Mobilize something with those organizations and mobilize something with the Like, there isn't as much momentum because it, you would think there'd be like a lot of lead time, and you build, but actually, fanfest works best when there's like just there's games every week, there's regular touch points with the fans, and because it, it's more of like a momentum thing. Um, and 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 kind of turning our partners' websites and their digital, their own and operated digital channels into like a home base for the fans when you yeah. have sport or any other form of entertainment that's like once every six months or once every four years like it, it actually isn't as much of a fit so far um so that, anyway that was like one listener. there. people are talking about like the olympics now and i'm like what <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But, you know.
0: oh but Oh, two two things one in that case playing on that sort of logic would the mlb be like a super good fit because doesn't baseball play the most games in a year? And two, I think about new sports, uh, eSports in general. Like, of course, eSports tournaments happen at a particular cadence. But let's say you're the biggest, some of the biggest Twitch streamers and who play, like, League of Legends or something like that. Is that also a good fit? Because, I mean, also they're probably better at communicating with their fans in general versus, like, a traditional, you know, like, nope. baseball team. No offense to those teams. But you know what I mean? So just, like, how do you contrast these different types of like, fan-based organizations as well?
1: Yeah, so baseball is an interesting one. We've had some early conversations there. The other dimension that um, we, we do key, on, key in on in terms of just prioritizing is the extent to which um, a organization is already thinking and has realized that they need to commercialize fans at global scale and, like, actually lean into it versus, you know, maybe just talking about it. So, for instance, one of the reasons, even though we're US-based, I'm obviously American, we started with like National soccer. It's because like those, we, we quickly learned, like those organizations, they were like trying to figure this out. I would say when we first got started, you know, NFL, you know, less so, NBA, less so, but we saw it as like kind of phases of maturity. Um, fast forward, actually, thanks, to, uh, it was really COVID, like about a year ago, uh, NFL the first time was like our f- press release. 50 million fans, our next 50 million fans are going to come from outside the U.S. Like, that is something they wouldn't, have. is a complete 180 mindset shift in terms of, like, how they talked about just fan commercialization. And so they become more of a priority. I would say to go to question of baseball, I'd say they're a little earlier in that curve. They're still very much focused on, uh, there has been, like, a declining team attendance uh, in person. So, that like, you're really trying to, I think they're trying to figure out, like, mission number one is how do we get butts and seats in the stadium <laughs> and then commercialize. I don't necessarily i do think that's kind of a false choice, but um as they kind of evolve and you know really because they're already glo- the irony is like they're already a pretty global game like massive adoption across Latin america, huge in Japan right so um and and they obviously play overseas games, but I would say from what we've what we've heard, the priority is still very much in market, and so for sports that are like that, we tend to kind of wait and see versus the ones that are already leaning into. Like, let's go
0: take over the world. And any thoughts on the esports angle? Yeah, esports, I, you know, I, I, I kind of ping pong a bit. On
1: one hand, I do feel that although you are correct, that especially the largest creators um, would benefit from, from a fan fest in terms of building a direct fan relationship among commercial opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The what, I, what my my personal take broadly is that the the gap in the amount of pain felt for both the fan and the creator in this case, and the teams is like smaller than traditional sports, yeah, just yeah. because everyone is so twitch native, and so there's 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 some just existing like fan behaviors, creative behaviors that make the pain just ever like actually tangibly smaller. Um, I do think it's an opportunity, but again, I think it's more down the road as that space matures, as many of those creators, which some of them already have, but kind of outgrow, kind of start to really want to go direct to fan. Um, but again, so I think it's just a more of a timing thing than,
0: than anything. So clearly, you know, you thought about this a lot. You are getting to, to work. work in. Yeah, no, you should, right? You're getting to work with some of the most like beloved brands and teams in the world. I'd like to know, like, where does that passion come from? You know, like, are you just like a diehard sports fan since you were a kid? And if you are, like, uh, you know, like, what's your team, your athlete, et cetera? It, like, where does that, and maybe music as well. Like, so where, where are some of these, like, passions come from? Because choosing to work in this industry is something that is very fan-driven. You know, you're not, you're not an accountant. You know, you're not a consultant anymore, thank God. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Made it out. Um, my dad always cracks up when I talk about this because he tried really hard for me to be like a big sports fan. Like he was a big, he is still a big NFL fan. Um, okay. And like growing up when I was like five, six, eight, ten, 10, he was like trying to get me into like, you know, sports and you know, no luck. <laughs> so I was like the biggest nerd uh, ever growing up. Um, <laughs> and then he attrib- he actually uh, attributes a lot of my sports like passion Two things. One is uh playing a lot of Madden <laughs> growing up. And then two, um my my freshman year roommate, uh shout out to Jared, um, but literally had Sports Center on like twenty four seven in the room. Wow. Near, like a three room at Amherst. And so it was just like osmosis. <laughs> like, it was like, oh okay, we're like it's so a really I really got into uh spectator sports. Um so I think that's part of it. I think the passion for the the I think that then evolved into a pretty uh the Generate Fantasy Sports League, <laughs> some of my closest friends. <laughs> so okay. there's more passion. And then but then it was like, and then I think actually I, I do have to attribute some of the consulting stuff because you see you started to see this dichotomy where it's like there's all this passion. And on one end, on the fan side, you've got these, you know, billion dollar organizations that would love to like tap into that passion at a more deeper level. But there's just like this chasm because they're so terrible at using technology. Right. Um and I think the nerd in me then, the, the tech nerd in me, not science nerd, um, was like, oh, this has to be fixed. And there's a lot of, I would say there's a lot of products and services in that graveyard of trying to fix that, because um, it's really hard to do. Um, but I think that's ultimately what kind of keeps us going is like, there's, there's something here. And I think the way we've gone about it also is something that's unique to us. So as opposed to just <clears throat> being super wed to like, Particular product vision, for instance, we've just been really focused on the problem and really focused on the incentives of the stakeholders, not a super consultant to The stakeholders in this ecosystem. Yeah, like, yeah. So like, so like, what do the teams care about and what motivates them? Like, what do the fans care about? What motivates them? Um, and then some other ones, like, you know, some, some other stakeholders, like, you know, an influencer versus a, a super fan, um, a brand, for instance, a brand sponsor motivates them. And then ultimately, like, how do you align these incentives? In a way that then unlocks the, the commercial opportunities for all parties or, or wherever, maybe not just the definition of winning for all parties. So that sounds really vague, but like, that's what we're really lasered in on a lot. Um, and I think that's why you see, you know, for instance, sports teams with a hundred million fans taking our product, <laughs> putting us in their website, tweeting us out to their fans, driving their fans to us, driving their sponsors to us. and also paying us because like that doesn't happen in sports. Usually it's the oh, opposite. Yeah. If they're mentioning a brand name, you're paying them a lot of money. <laughs> you know that's not that's literally not how sports entertainment works. And yet we've got countless examples of you know massive names in entertainment just being like, hey, come to FanFest. It's like so you've that's kind amazing. of. I'm not saying we've solved it all, and we've got a lot to learn, but we've lasered in on just the underlying motivations and incentives of each kind of stakeholder in this ecosystem to try to get them yeah. all to act in concert in a way that makes this international fan opportunity make sense. Yeah. So, uh, it was a bit vague, but that's no, that's that's kind of where we focus. I
0: was I was going to call you out for not mentioning a specific team uh that you're a fan of. Maybe maybe it's because by nature of what you do, you have to like, <laughs> love all your children equally. Uh so I guess like there is there like a team because, I, I know, like maybe, maybe you don't want to. No, I, I
1: do it just, way too much. Sometimes yeah. I show up on calls with with a jersey on, which is probably yeah, really whatever you're talking. Could do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but, no, no. Of like, well, like my favorite teams that are oh, not yeah. the yeah. teams, yeah. which was, like not yeah. a good idea. Um, so I would say, growing up, the closest thing I had to a favorite team, both of these kind of tick people off. But growing up, Cowboys fan, um, mostly because it was funny that group in D.C. or D.C. area, D.C. in the Virginia and uh part of it was some childhood rebellion against my my dad it was like because we live locally he's a big commanders fan another name um and part of it was because my best friend in second grade was a huge cowboys fan and this was like yeah. peak you know 90s like Emmett smith Troy and all that right so that was my team for a while um and i'm still a fan i've gotten i'd say i've, I've started to watch nfl less and less over time although the super bowl was amazing um mostly because i've been traveling way more, so time difference has been an kind of issue uh for the last 10 years i've gotten super into like arsenal and premier league as a sport and that's probably what i watch the most uh these days huge game uh tomorrow yeah um been a suffering um city city city. City, yes yes, yeah yeah, but yeah we've been most if this wasn't this year i would say i've been a suffering suffering winner for a while uh, but this year has been amazing. Obviously, we're top of the league, da da da. da. So everyone's kind of like, oh, can they win it? Uh, so it's been yeah. pretty fun. <laughs> um, And it's kind of cool getting in. Like a lot of their really peak success was in like early 2000s when I wasn't a fan. So I kind of got in like 2010, 11, 12. So seeing kind of the rise and not being a bandwagon is kind of seeing that has been pretty cool. Uh, finally made it over there last season. Like it's, it's, the environment the state environment is like insane so uh that, those are my those are my teams yeah also a really big kobe fan i need a new basketball team i was a really big kobe fan
0: so okay yeah. you see that amazon prime documentary what's it called i forgot its called the the one the one about arsenal uh, one yeah. Then, yeah that <laughs> so, was pretty good that was pretty good so
1: it's actually erotic um <laughs> i haven't Even okay. though, like That's i great. should uh everyone says it's great um i feel <laughs> i mean <laughs> I think in the back of my head, it's because it's like I I don't know why I haven't watched it, to be honest. But it's just like I know um, I, I almost I've been so close to I guess I was, maybe I was a little bit worried because I've just become yeah. like such a super fan, etc. That like it would be I'd be annoyed by it by, in some yeah. ways. in some way, of the all accounts suggest that is actually super accurate and super almost like foreshadowing the success yeah. of the season. Yeah. Um, so I probably should watch it. But yeah, yeah, initially, I was like, I'm not gonna
0: watch this. It's just like another, you know, whatever. Well, I would, I would highly recommend it personally. I thought, I thought it was great. And obviously, you know, come to London and we should go to an Arsenal game. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've got this kind of like thesis about how NFTs, like the best adoption for them will come through sports and entertainment where, you know, and cause like, if you think about the, I guess the sports stack, if you will, you know, some people might be buying uh, digital collectibles from teams in the form of let's say, this, I mean, you know, like a new street, we think about digital and physical trading, like collectibles kind of mixing together. So mm-hmm. today someone might buy a physical trading card, but also might buy a digital NFT who's, that's tied to a team, tied to a player. You might be buying NBA top shots, you might be buying some socios tokens. Uh, you might be buying some of these like menu NFTs that they drop. I, I think that there's like a lot of potential there, perhaps more than any other industry because the idea of buying something that represents your love for a team is something that's like eternal, you know, like whether 50 years ago we were buying jerseys or just saving ticket stubs or buying memorabilia, That's an, that's an activity that's very human. Like the idea, like collect the sort of nostalgia or the power, or the love from that. What, what would you say your take is on the NFTs happening in sports for now? Cause I've talked to a lot of people and they say like, okay, some of these NFT drops from teams or athletes are just, low-quality, shitty cash dra- grabs. Some are very thoughtful. Some are very good. You have different stakeholders that you know, you're talking to, like everyone from Dapper to, to, to SoRare to all these, to, to Socios, to many others. What's your okay, take sorry, on that? Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, you are? Okay, great. So, like, where do you see more potential or not? I just let you feel free to comment on this sort of big mix space that's coming out right now.
1: I know I've mentioned it a few times, but I think... It all comes back, especially if, you're, if you've got an eye towards mainstream adoption. It all comes back to, like, what is the point of owning this thing? Yes, there will be some fans that actually aren't even fans, but really just speculating that buy these assets. Oh. Um, then there will be fans that are just gonna buy it because it's the team. Everything buy everything that the team you know puts out, but. In the grand scheme of things that's like a couple percentage points max of your total audience for some of these data and so and again i think they get it um but very quickly the industry is realizing we need to think through kind of an end-to-end plan around the drop it's not about the drop it's about the community resulting from the drop um so i think that's that's one thing the other thing is those same organizations are trying to, and this is more traditional sports, although you know, uh, for the, for the Web3 native community, I think they've got to maybe a step ahead just because they're starting from scratch. They don't have this legacy stuff, which I was going to get get into, you know, as you think about again kind of sports team, even before Web3, they had uh, some kind of loyalty program. They got season tickets. They've got maybe some kind of digital membership. Now they've got some international membership. And then they have like, some fan token or NFT thing. Like, how do you, and they they know this, but how do you harmonize these concepts so that it's just a membership? (laughs) Maybe different tiers. If you're in market, you get to go to a game. If you're not, you get access to tickets sometimes But there's other stuff going on virtually. Like, how do you create a just holistic picture of membership and loyalty that is like actually cohesive and integrated and not five different programs? So I think that's the biggest, that's really what a lot of the traditional entertainment companies are figuring out now. Like, for instance, do you keep traditional digital subscriptions, but when you buy one, you automatically get a fan token as part of that, that then unlocks a bunch of token-gated experiences as a gateway into Web3 ecosystem, right? So, like, how do you kind of combine these concepts? Because at the end of the day, from from a regular fan perspective, it's just a membership program, and it's rewarding my loyalty. And so you kind of go back to those traditional concepts and, and, and just membership and loyalty. So I think we're, that's where the, certainly the traditional side of the industry is going. And then, again, on the, on the, on the new side, everyone's trying to figure out. It's more on the, on the three sides, so like again, the soreros, the, 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 the dappers, the associates. Everyone's trying to think about, okay, how do we uh, – they don't have that legacy concept, right? So at least there's a singular concept of membership. But how do we get adoption by – real real fans right um versus you know a lot of speculators and again it comes back to creating experiences and, and utility that like normal fans care about um so again i know selfishly that's where you plug it that's that's what we're super fired that's what we're super fired about. Um, and everyone's trying to figure that out uh, the last thing i'll say is the for all parties the so-called you know crypto winner um has further focused everyone on utility right so it's not just speckle right so um i think it's accelerated a lot of those thought
0: processes and um obviously we have lots of thoughts (laughs) on ways to help amazing well i know i know we're kind of running out of time here so i'd love to close with the same like last two questions we usually use one being where can people find you in fanfest on social media website etc and then What's one last message you'd like to leave with the audience? Find us. The first one's easy.
1: <laughs> Find us at at FanFest Live on I think pretty much every channel. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Twitter is probably our best channel just because it has a lot of examples of, of recent shows. Um, and then our website is fanfest.io. Um, but feel free to just drop me an email if you're you know sort of working together. Just Adam at fanfest.io. Um, last message. Should have thought this one through. All good. All good. Everyone, honestly. Yeah, no. I mean, I think what um, what 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 we're what gets us really excited, um, is like especially for like the 2023. uh, Is now that we have these partnerships in place, we're kind of heads down. um, So, (laughs) a couple things. One fundraising. So that's interesting. Us. Uh two, hiring after fundraise if you're interested in this gets you fired up, ping me. Um but three, we have a clear kind of path from where we are today, you know, handful of customers, to like literally hundreds through these partnerships that so we just think, especially on the left through side. Um as we look kind of so I'm starting to look kind of beyond that. Right. Um and I, you know, things like you know, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, the PFP collections, like things like partnering with like an OpenSea, right? And thinking about like what this can mean for like literally any collection of NFTs and the fans that that own them, right? Like, um, and, and really kind of scaling up. That's like one thing we're super interested in. Um, the second thing is that we get all all the time around like tokenomics, um, and like you have going to release a token, or you gotta, you know. And so I would just say anyone, I guess a lot of calls to action, but like anyone that's interested in helping us think through like that dimension as well. Um, and, and, and as it maybe is already kind of hacking around, um, with decentralized fan communities, um, we'd love to just hear, like, we're constantly looking for feedback from the audience. So I'm actually, maybe my, my, to put a pin in it, my, my ask for the audience is like, please ping me <laughs> on, you know, if, if any way you want to get involved and kind of advance the, the FanFest mission, we're always looking at this, meet with like awesome people like you and, and also members of the community that are really kind of thinking about this 24-7
0: like you are. Amazing. Thank you so much, Adam. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Matt. Thanks for listening to the New Street X podcast. Make sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and leave us a review if you like what you hear.